You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How you doing, Allison? Pretty well, Tim. How are you doing? Very sad. I'm about to be a, a photo show widower. <laughs> we don't usually have these shows happen almost in real time where you edit them and then they go up within three hours. I know. <laughs> I know. We could be very timely tonight. You're going to the New York photo show? Well, there's two of them. There's two. Are you going to both? Then? Yeah. World traveler over here. <laughs> <laughs> Going a whole one state away. I know. <laughs> so tonight, in a bit, we're going to hear from Luke, who's going to tell us a story about a strange shadow creature that he saw, and then some Bigfoot experiences. But first, we have some other things to talk about. First, I want to talk about emails. I have a lot of them that I haven't answered. <laughs> yes. The Strange Familiar's email inbox is insane. And I have done my best to keep up with it. And I continue to do my best to keep up with it. But if I haven't replied to your email, it's probably because I just haven't gotten there yet. If it's been less than a week, if it's been more than two weeks, it may have gotten lost in the shuffle. Do you have this going to your Gmail address? It's going to Gmail. I do not like... Can I just wax a little uh, <laughs> about the... I don't, I don't like the new Gmail system where things that you really need to reply to get bumped in favor of the, the little prompts of, this happened three days ago, would you like to reply to it? it? To me, it's very confusing. Which is sometimes something you've already replied to. Yeah, they want you to reply to it again. So I know that I've lost at least a few things in that shuffle, so... Not as an excuse, but just as an explanation. Yeah, and I do have the different folder. You know, like mm. I have a folder for Flannel Man, a folder for guests that <laughs> are coming on do. the show, a folder for, for all these different things. 
but it just doesn't help when you get so much email that you can't keep up with it. So this is my apology to everyone. I'm not trying to be rude. I always feel really rude, and, and I know I write short emails and reply a lot of times. That's just me trying to get through a mountain of emails and try to answer everyone. I know. I've seen you go through, and it's a lot of days it's hours worth of email. I spend usually, if I'm keeping up with it and doing it daily, I spend between an hour and two hours a day on email. See, this is why we need to just go back to letters. I'll just tell everybody our post <laughs> office box. That would be even box. worse. That would be even worse. Can you imagine writing individual letters? Yeah, but no. they don't—they don't arrive. You can't—they don't arrive as quickly. Like you don't <laughs> send one, and then one arrives the next day. <laughs> In any case, if you haven't heard from me, I'm not trying to be rude. If it's been a couple of weeks, I do not mind reminders at all. I love reminders. I'm very fond of reminders. If you've sent me something and we talked about doing a show together, recording an interview, and I didn't get back to you, it's not because I don't want to interview you. It just got lost in the shuffle. If we've already done an interview and your show hasn't come out yet, it will. Don't worry about it. It's There's a big queue, and I'm getting to stuff as fast as I can. Yeah, Every... I can attest to the fact that there are interviews on a very regular basis now. Where... I've been doing at least four interviews a week and we do one show a week. So uh -huh. do the math that they're going to get backed up. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Every now and then I can knock out an extra show like I did last week. Mm -hmm. and that's cool. And that's great for everybody. But it just, you know, there's only so much time in the week to do shows and extras and so forth. So this is just my apology. And just to let people know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm doing my best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really don't mind uh, reminders if you haven't heard from me in a while. And this applies to Gmail. This applies to my mail on Facebook. This applies to even to messages on Facebook, private messages. So thank you for being patient with me, everybody. We are in April yeah. already, somehow. April is going to be a crazy month. Sarai is coming next week. I promised I'd take him to Site 7. Josh is coming to stay for a week at the end of the month. In the middle of that week, Josh and I are going off to Rhode Island. We will be at the X-Filers United convention, I believe it's called. I'm going to say it's the only X-Files convention happening in Rhode Island the last week and in April. So if I got the name wrong, you should be able to find it pretty easily. <laughs> in any case, uh, April is a crazy busy month. I'm still going to try to knock out two patron shows. We'll see, though. Mm -hmm. We'll see, because we got a lot going on. But I do have one patron episode planned. James and I went to Site 7, and we recorded some new audio. Get to real-time, hear us talk about some things we're seeing there. In the same show, I'm going to talk about some other recent investigations I've been on and uh, some neat stuff that's that's happened when I was out there. So that will be... Fun hey. stuff like Lyme disease. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> That tick was not picked up on a Bigfoot investigation. But it was picked up in the same place as the raccoon. Yeah, it was picked up in Hex Hollow. I, got yeah. a, I had a tick embedded, and I mean embedded, in my yeah. stomach last week. And uh, I'm currently being treated for Lyme disease, so huzzah. Welcome to the club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> last week's episode, The Nightmare Creature. Three people contacted me, wrote me emails to say that they had seen the very same or something very similar the same kind of nightmare creature that this guy saw so his story was it would hit him and then he'd go into a nightmare oh okay that's right 
to me, they're all nightmare creatures. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't make a lot of different. This one was particularly scary looking. No one mentioned that. However, he mentioned that it was behind his door in his bedroom. Uh-huh. And two of the three people that wrote in wrote something to do, like it had something to do with the doors of their bedroom. It would either open them or shut them or something. It was, it was something oh. relative to. And these are nothing. They're not really emails I can read. They're almost like just notes in passing. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I saw this thing too kind of thing. I, lo- I would love to do like a, a specific episode. I was thinking like uh, in Lauren's magazine, Morbid Curiosity, she had a whole section called Childhood's End. Mm-hmm. And it was all about, you know, like that transition between childhood and adulthood. And I really think that that time period as a child, before you really have a vocabulary for your fears and your anxiety and, and people are giving them names and telling you where they come from, that whole world that you make up to describe your fears and the things that you have made real, that to me, that's a very, very potent time. Yes, I agree. I, I do agree. I think as as I get further along with this book with Josh, my challenge to unite the Jungian archetype with the physical things that I do believe people are seeing. Mm-hmm. I do believe they're physical when people are seeing them. I do believe they leave footprints behind. It's a huge challenge. How do you relate to people that, that, yeah, I think I think the wild man archetype is real and powerful. And, in fact, I think it's so powerful that it can leave footprints. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that playing with these ideas. And just because it's an archetype doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah, know? if anything, to me, I think it lends an air of credibility to it because it is part of, it's not a singular experience. Yeah, but people's thinking tends to be so binary. It's it's like the same it's the same wrestling match I have with folklore. With people when I say folklore, so many people think fiction. And folklore has been used by the cryptozoologists as a dismissive term for so long. Oh, that's just folklore for mm-hmm. so long to dismiss the certain tales. And just And really when you th- when you just break down what folklore is, it's basically just non academic anecdotal evidence passed between people. It's cryptid reports. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. It's yeah. just, it's, they've been whispered down the lane for a while, so they've gotten a little more fanciful. Mm-hmm. But what they're talking about is the same stuff. It's yeah, but it's, stuff. Immediately, it's immediately dismissed because it doesn't follow that sort of analytical... Pseudoscience. Pseudoscience, yeah. 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 Well, tonight we have some listener stories. Speaking of emails, and these are stories things. that have been coming in for some of them are older than others. And I thought, you know what? It's time to get through some listener stories. So we'll read a few of them tonight. Are these people that did not want to be interviewed, just wanted to share something, but didn't necessarily want to be interviewed? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And these are a lot of non-Flattleman stories. I have listener stories of Flattleman, of people uh-huh. who didn't want to come on the show, but wanted to tell their story. And we'll uh, we'll read those on a Flannel Man show mm-hmm. we got coming up. We, I don't know if it's going to be in the next few shows, but we got a cool Flannel Man show coming up. And uh, some really neat listener stories for Flannel Man as well as new interviews and mm-hmm. stuff. But these are just, just random things that people sent in. So this first one comes from Brad. And he said, I wanted to share what I experienced in the year of 91. 
at the time he was in a in a relationship that wasn't going so well so he was wondering if uh, the stress of the relationship played in to whatever mm-hmm. he saw but here's the story I ended up sleeping in a separate room one night and the room was dimly lit from outside street lights I woke up from sleeping badly that night again and happened to notice the walls and ceilings start to create a dome-like shape above me kind of caving in then from the wall that my bed head was against a woman emerged about four feet above me she was dressed in gray and black flowing draping rags and seemingly covered in wispy cobwebs overflowing from her clothing with long flowing gray unkempt hair distinct blurred facial features but not a happy face at the same time i watched her inquisitively and watched her float above me just staring at me i was positive i was awake i wasn't sleeping well so i was up and down all night every night due to stress i was kind of wondering what she was not really scared as such but i was concerned she was intriguing i watched until she retraced back into the wall and then the room resumed its normal shape slowly This experience was quite interesting and not necessarily scary, but it's always been with me. That's just another, like, one of these weird bedtime invaders kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, This listener wished to be anonymous, but is going by the letter K tonight. Some background. Basically, the barn and pasture sit in a bowl. A few acres of relatively flat land surrounded almost completely by a forested ridge that has an old logging path on the ridge top that you can walk all the way around and be looking down on the road, the pasture, the barn, and the trees. January 17th, 2018 was probably one of the coldest days or nights of the last winter. It had snowed in the days prior, this is an important detail, and was supposed to get down to 8 to 9 degrees Fahrenheit. Because of this, the outside spigots were frozen, and I had to carry buckets of hot water from home down to the barn for my horse's mash and water tub. I usually do the barn chores alone, and if I had been alone, would have probably not even noticed all this happening. But that night, my fiancé drove the truck a few hundred yards from our home to the stable. I held onto the buckets of hot water in the back to keep them from sloshing out. He then sat in the truck while I went inside to do the chores. The buckets were heavy, and it was freezing, and I was getting flustered. When I got done, I hopped in the passenger seat and started to ask him why he didn't give me a hand. He stopped me right away and said it was because he had been watching the lights on the ridge the whole time, which he then pointed to. I looked to where he's pointing across the lower pasture to the small ridge line behind it. He said there were two bright lights up there that had been moving back and forth while I was in the barn. I noticed them as well. They were maybe 50 to 100 feet apart from each other. We just sat there watching with the truck turned off, not saying a word. Sometimes neighbors will follow that old logging road up the ridge to hunt for raccoons, so we figured that's what it was. Nothing was really in season at the time as far as hunting goes, though, that I know of, not to mention it was bitterly cold that night, with snow on the ground, so whatever critters that may be active that time of year were likely bedded down. He told me that when I rolled the stall door shut and bolted it, that one of the lights looked like it swung around and focused on the barn below. We kept watching. It seemed like two people walking with flashlights. Our dogs even noticed them, and they started to chuff and growl. We had to hustle them into the truck because we were afraid they'd run up to investigate all of which further made us believe people were walking up there. I texted my landlord, whose house is just next to the barn, that someone or multiple someones were up on the ridge, but he goes to bed at dark, so no reply. We watch for a few more minutes a little unsettled and then back out and start driving back to our place a few hundred yards up the road. I see the lights quickly start descending the ridge as we drive off, moving faster like whoever it was 
was running or hurrying to get down the slope or something. I saw one of them rapidly approaching a flat little landing area in the trail on the ridge above us and then lost sight of them as we continued on to our place. The trail parallels the road and comes out at our house a couple hundred yards further down, so we were a little anxious and on the lookout for potentially armed strangers to come down the path since they'd have to walk straight by our house to continue along the other end of the trail, but we never saw anyone. Here's where it gets really weird. I drove down to feed the animals the next morning, and I parked exactly where we had been the night before. I looked out to where we saw the lights, and my stomach dropped. I realized the point at which we saw the lights in relation to the height of the trees had been skewed the night before, because it was dark. We couldn't see where the ground of the ridge ended and the base of the trees started. In the light of day, looking at one specific tall tree that I had seen relative to the lights the night before, I realized that the ground was farther down than I thought, too far for a person to be traveling the ridge with a light on at that height. There couldn't have been people walking up there because the lights had been in the treetops. I still get cold chills thinking about this. So my landlord comes down a few minutes later, having seen my text, and he wants to walk the property and check it out. He and I hoof it up to the north slope behind his house, which is cleared for pasture and still covered in snow. Oddly, we see one boot print next to a poplar tree mid-slope behind his home, like a perfect man's cowboy boot, D-shaped heel with an angular, almost diamond-shaped sole. He even stuck his foot in it to compare we didn't see any other defined prints, but the snow was disturbed from that area up to the tree line. We continued up the slope, walking the inside of this bowl through the trees and along the incline looking for any sign of footprints. None. We get to the top of the ridge and get on the trail, the snow completely undisturbed, save for some rabbit tracks, no footprints leading to or from. None on the other side of the ridge either, no one been up there. We walked the trail down to the landing area where I saw the light quickly descending the ridge all the way down to our house and saw nothing on either side of the ridge that would indicate two people walking through pristine snow the night before. My landlord confessed to me later that day that about 25 years ago, before he built his current house next to the barn he was living in, his sister called him in the middle of the night panicked. She lived in the family home just down slope and was urging them to get out of the house immediately. She told him she saw lights hovering above his place. He said he was really frantic, so he went outside to see for himself and he saw nothing whatsoever. That really freaked me out, especially considering what he had seen the night before, and now we lived in the very place he was telling us about. There were also a few days in the time leading up to this where my horse would stand in the bottom pasture and just stare up at the ridge, not moving except to follow the ridge with her head, like she could see something moving through the woods. She did this obsessively for days. It never happened before or since. I never saw anything that we could figure out. I didn't put much thought to it, but it was unusual behavior for her, and it made me wonder. We've since moved out of that home, but just moved into a house that is a stone's throw away, just over the ridge, and my horse will be living there again as of tomorrow, and I will definitely be updating if anything else happens. Those mystery lights. I'm endlessly fascinated with those. They're great symbols. I feel like it's from everyone um, sort of lost, from mm -hmm. people lost in the woods or lost in their lives, you know, and they just accompany so many. I mean, from from ghosts to UFOs to Bigfoot, this always with the lights. It's just like, like they're just harbingers of other stuff, or they're just they accompany it. I don't know. Well, symbolically, even just like the the light at the end of the tunnel. Remember hauling water down to on the yeah, farm for the cows. That's what she made me think of that. I know. As soon as she said, I was like, oh yeah, I hated that. The winter time was the worst because you have to make a trail and get there to. Be oh there. yeah, that's right. In the snow, I used to have to basically shovel a trail down to the barn so we could carry water and hold the buckets up over the snow. Well, this is a story 
if I remember correctly, your expertise as a former professional <laughs> picture framer may come in handy okay. analyzing this story. All right. This is from Adam. He has two stories. The first one is called The Phantom Sound of Breaking Glass at 3 a.m. During my teens and 20s, I had a dark, negative personality and an attraction to horror movies, etc. I was also a decent illustrator, and in senior art class, I drew perhaps my most realistic and surreal work, which consisted of three cubes stacked in a pyramid, each cube showing two sides to the viewer. On the six faces of the cubes, in black and white, I drew a leering self-portrait, a reverse image of the character Dead Man from the 80s comic book, scenes from Hooks and Chains from Hellraiser, and the Hellraiser movie logo and tagline, It's Time to Play. The drawing was made on illustration board and surrounded by a mat board of similar thickness, which extended past the illustration board by a couple inches and held with masking tape. The general consensus of people was that it was creepy, and due to my personality at the time, I took that as a compliment. As you do. <laughs> Fast forward a few years to the fall of 1991. I was returning to college after a year off, and the illustration was now in my dorm room wall. I lived alone. As it happened, Ed and Lorraine Warren were doing a speaking engagement, and I went to see them. For reasons I won't go into here, I was disappointed in them. We all are. And feel they were char charlatans. We all feel similarly. Things I found out since then reinforced my intuition. But during the evening, the one thing which I took away was Ed saying that while midnight is known as the witching hour, 3 a.m. is known as the devil's hour. This was something I'd never heard before. Afterwards, I went back to the dorm room for the night, a room which was divided into a small area for the bunk where the illustration was tacked to the wall and a main room with a large window. At a few minutes after 3 a.m., I remember only 3.0-something, but I'm pretty certain it was either 3.04 or 3.07 on the digital clock. I was awakened by the loud sound of crashing glass. When I heard it, my first thought was that someone had thrown a rock through the big window in the other room. But despite my aggressive nature and adrenaline flow, I didn't jump out of bed ready to run outside and start fighting. Instead, I was overcome with the feeling of complete lethargy and thought, Oh well, I'll clean up the mess in the morning. And I fell back to sleep immediately. Everything about my reaction was uncharacteristic to both my personality and habit of being a light sleeper. In the morning, I woke up thinking about cleaning up glass as the first order of the day. But when I sat up in bed, I saw that the aforementioned picture had come off the wall, turned about 90 degrees to the wall, and balanced perfectly upside down and facing me. The masking tape had come off the top, which was now the bottom, of the mat board backing, and despite being some two inches longer than the illustration board, was only an inch away from it, and served to prop it straight up, imagine something like a narrow tent. I was confused by this, and when I picked it up and tried several times to duplicate how it landed on a balance, the closest I could come was to bend the rigid mat board at least eight inches away from the illustration. That effect was totally different. The whole deal was still nothing like the vertically balanced anomaly to which I awoke. Nor could I figure out how the picture came off the wall when it was firmly attached by several tacks. I don't recall now if the tacks were still in the wall. When I entered the main room, I was more shocked to find the window was completely intact. Neither dorm nor neighbor had heard anything during the night, despite the volume of what I heard. Now, if this seems too mundane, I ask anyone, how many times in their own lives has the picture come off the wall and perfectly balanced itself, freestanding, at an angle from the wall? I've never had any of the practical skeptics admit to it happening even once. I would say it's probably a pretty rare thing. Fast forward to September 2001. I found myself back at another college after many dropouts and living as a cellar dweller in an old house near the bad side of town where most of the college bars were. My sole decoration was a ghostly photo of a pyramidal adobe Pueblo house common to the southwest natives, 
with a turquoise door being the only colored object in the photo, and storm clouds in the background. The photo was again framed by the same type of matte board as the first illustration, and the same two inch or so gap between the sheets. My upstairs neighbor gave it to me because his girlfriend was creeped out by it, and naturally I was drawn to it. So one night I was awakened once again, at either 3.04 or 3.07, to the loud sound of crashing plate glass. And once again, completely contrary to my nature and adrenaline, I thought, oh well, some late night bar hoppers just came by the alley and kicked in my window, which was in my main room. I'll have to clean it up in the morning. And again, I was overcome with such heavy sleep sleepiness that I fell back onto the pillow. Awaking in the morning, I walked out of the bedroom and found the picture had come off the wall, inverted, and balanced itself on an impossibly narrow base and facing me. Everything about the situation was identical to the first, including the absence of a broken window anywhere in the house. Upon seeing this, I was reminded of the first event. It was too much to process, and the first thing I wanted to do was tell someone. So I ran upstairs and started pounding on my friend's door, which he opened. Both he and his girlfriend were in a state of shock and tears. It was the morning of 9-11. They were watching the news on the TV. They weren't interested in my story. Later, however, he told me he hadn't heard anything in the night resembling the breaking of glass. These events have bothered me for years, and I think about and research them often, to the point where I stayed awake the night of 9-11-2011, thinking there might be a 10-year cycle. While I've come to no real conclusions, I'd like to share some things that have come up. Much of this will only hold import to people who study the occult and sound like nonsense to others, but regardless of what a person believes and what really did or did not happen on 9-11, to occultists those numbers have magical significance. Also, to those who study the occult, they know that Hollywood, the music industry, and literature of sci-fi and fantasy genres are full of esoteric references to witchcraft, Kabbalah, Thelema, and Gnosticism. As such, the breaking of glass has an elusive significance, and bear with me if you think my examples are a stretch because the amount of coincidence is too much to be just that. First, the surreal opening of James Bond's Skyfall has Bond breaking glass three times. Doctor Strange has the Doctor thrown through glass three times. Third time, his levitation cloak is released. Same with Dark City. In Alice in Wonderland, Alice hears a phantom glass breaking three times in the March Hare's house. Just before Bill, or Will, the reptile is rocketed out the chimney. One undead movie spoof has the group getting high and breaking glass, and a character comments, it's like the sound of angels clapping. And there are numerous other horror movies wherein glass is broken three times without being necessary to the plot. In music, there are many songs with these references, as well as to 3AM. Niccolo had the song, I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass, late into the night. Bowie's song, Breaking Glass, off the Low album, mentions it. Bowie admitted he was into the Kabbalah, and he drew something awful on the floor, which either means the Kabbalah tree or sigil magic. And there's many others that, for brevity, I won't go into. Finally, when searching online, I found an article waking to the sound of breaking glass at 3 a.m., a total red herring, as it actually had nothing to do with either of those things, but instead talked about exploding head syndrome, wherein the sound that is heard is usually gunshots or door slams. Hence, my interest in Joshua's experiences that he alluded on where did the road go. The 3 a.m. phenomenon is not such a mystery to me, but any input on the phantom sound would be greatly appreciated. Oftentimes, your YouTube shows don't enable comments, so if my story merits telling on your podcast, kindly include my email address in case anyone has any input they would like to share with me. And then his email here is adamastra1970 at gmail.com. That's A-D-A-M-D-A-S-T-R-A-1970 at gmail.com. Odd that it happened 10 years apart. Yeah. 
The breaking glass, I mean, I, I think, I don't know anything about exploding head syndrome, but I would think that would fall in with that, you know? I mean, is that sort of just like a variant of sleep paralysis, like an auditory hallucination that's part of sleep paralysis? I mean, I think it's related, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But but it, the really odd thing is the picture to be balanced, like both times, that has to that had to have been shocking to see, you know, when you come out and it's like, whoa, to happen once, like that's weird, but to happen two times mm-hmm. in conjunction with the sound of breaking glasses is yeah. uh, particularly odd. I'd be curious to see how the glass was broken. In the pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he had glass on the pictures rereading it. I thought they were framed uh, and they came down, but rereading I think they might have just been matted pictures that came down. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, because I've seen a lot of broken glass. And yes, I do have comments turned off on YouTube, and I refuse to turn them on again until YouTube monetizes my account they turned me down for monetization because of quote unquote unoriginal content which i don't even understand because the entire podcast from the ground up is built <laughs> original and the logo the artwork mixing editing everything except the voices you hear which aren't my voice is done by me like literally everything we silkscreen our own t-shirts like there is no Nothing about this podcast that we is... We didn't build the computers that we... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. We, I didn't write the program that I do the yeah. editing on. But other than that, I just... I don't understand YouTube. So one of my protests is to not allow comments until they let me monetize and to put up the shows. The shows go up about three days later on YouTube from than when everybody else gets them. You can get them from iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get them, a lot faster than YouTube. So... I don't know what to do about that. When YouTube lets me monetize, I'll turn on the comments. Otherwise, I'm not spending any time looking at comments or anything. I'm not spending Mm -hmm. any more time with YouTube than I have to. They need to explain to me why I can't monetize before all. Yeah, it's more of like at this point just a service to people who can't get it otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Or people who prefer to listen that way. Although if you are listening on YouTube, you're you're missing shows. So Mm -hmm. you want to try to figure out a podcatcher of some sort because... Any of those extra shows that I do for everyone. I'm not even talking about patron shows. Mm. The extra shows I do for everyone, I'm not putting on YouTube. Those are just going to be on iTunes and Stitcher and, of course, strangefamiliars.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adam has another story, 
and I'll let you read that. It's a little bit shorter. I'm happy for any story that involved Bowie and Breaking Glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as all those references to Breaking Glass, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think Breaking Glass is a powerful symbol. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it would come up a lot. I don't know that it's it's specifically an occult thing. I would I would think it's one of just one of those sort of powerful symbols that's embedded in symbolism, whether it's occult symbolism or dream symbolism mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Yeah, I remember you one that. Um... You did a long time ago. It was with like crows or something breaking through glass that you did. Oh, an illustration I did. Yeah, yeah. an illustration. In, a long in time. fact, I I don't know if it's still there, but in college I did a, a mural. It was the whole wall it was just breaking glass. The whole the entire mural was like. Yeah, I'm just thinking like kind of anecdotally about other times, but like even the beginning of like um, the Breakfast Club, right after they show the Bowie quote, mm-hmm. it's breaking glass and the movie starts. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is called The Chinese Ghost. This is Adam's other story he sent in. In the winter of 2006, I taught at a college in China, and during the winter break I was left alone in the staff housing, a large concrete apartment building with my girlfriend. One night as I gripped the doorknob to exit my shower room, there was a swift, violent punch to the other side of the door above neck level to me. It was severe enough to be felt in the knob and make the door shake, and loud enough to be heard by my girlfriend, who was in another part of the apartment behind closed doors. It had a negative vibe to it, and it was unmistakable to anyone who's been chased around the house by an infuriated older brother. It was definitely a punch. On the other side of the door was a kitchen area with tall windows, one in particular I could never open because someone hammered a metal slug into the hook slot where there used to be a hinged latch. I told my girlfriend what happened, and she became distraught. Of course, I kept joking about it to her to further distress her, to the extent that she demanded I guard over her for days afterward during her showers. I owe props to the entity for that, but after a week or two, her courage returned and I was no longer invited to stand watch. In the interim, I thought a lot about the event. My only guess was that it was an angry ghost, and if it happened, again, I would say hello, or ni hao in Chinese. Days later, but still during winter break, I was in bed reading with my head inches away from the bedroom door. My girlfriend was showering before bed, and we were again separated by three doors and a couple of rooms. There was a loud, violent punch or kick to the bedroom door about head height to me as I lay there and loud enough that my girlfriend heard it and called out. I was stunned, but maybe because I had rehearsed the response and previous events so much, I reactively said, Ni hao? I heard an immediate loud metallic bashing sound in the kitchen outside the shower room and a clinking sound of metal bouncing off tiles. My girlfriend screamed and I jumped out of bed, opened the door, ran across the main room and opened the kitchen door as my girlfriend opened the shower room door to peek out. The kitchen window that was impossible to open because of the metal slug jammed in the latch now stood wide open with the cold air blowing in. I later found the slug under the counter behind a propane tank, and for the rest of the winter break, I was back on guard duty. The worst part about paranormal experiences is the lack of closure, but I'd like to think the entity just wanted to be acknowledged and that maybe by doing so, I gave it some means to escape. I never had any other events in that apartment before I left the school. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I've got several other shorter anecdotal experiences of phantoms from my time in the Southwest. If you have any interest, please take care. Yes, we do have interest. Send them. (laughs) If I didn't reply, that might be one of those emails I didn't reply to. So um, we do have interest in those other stories. Please send them along. And if you have stories that you want to share, if you want to come on and be interviewed, or if you want to share your story via email, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. If you're sending in a story you want us to read, just make a note of that and note that it's okay for us to read it and whether you want us to use your name or just your first name or whatever it is. 
in general, we don't use last names no matter what, unless someone really specifically requests, like, hey, I want my last name here. Uh, like Adam requested, we, we give his email, so mm-hmm. we gave his email. And we will keep doing listener stories. Keep sharing. Thanks, everybody. we have to thank most of all the patrons our dear patrons without whom we could not do strange familiars strange familiars is brought to you by our patrons if you would like to help us make strange familiars please consider becoming a patron at patreon it's patreon.com slash strange familiars we revamped the levels of support there there's a lot of different choices now you can get things like stickers or t-shirts copies of my books i think there's a you can get all four books at one price and the way those prices are structured if you're in the u.s they're pretty much paid for the first month so you can jump in at whatever level you want get the reward and we'll send out the reward either the first month or the second month and then you can just knock down to you know a lower level at the following month um that's the way they're structured you don't have to stay at whatever level forever you know you can go in at a higher level and then go down to three dollars a month and the three dollars a month level you get the extra shows that's the lowest tier but you get a bunch of extra content sometimes we'll do extra you know bonuses for them i try to give away when i do a new album i'll give away downloads and stuff to patrons just as a matter of you know thanks for being a patron being almost like a dollar or something an extra show you know it's it's not yeah if we can do two or three shows but it also gives you access to all the old shows so if you're you know like if you're in a road trip and you want to listen you're like you're out of shows exactly I know we get to that point too with the, with podcasts we're like oh i wish they just had like five more shows yeah exactly and we've done solidly at least one patron show a month every month since the first month we've been trying to do more than that and we've uh, succeeded for the past few months we'll see like i said april's gonna be a heck of a month mm-hmm. but we'll see i'm gonna try to get two shows out this month for patrons Maybe I'll twist Josh's arm when he gets here and we can do something live with Josh. It'd be really fun to do like a live round table. Yeah, it would be. It would be awesome. In any case, $3 a month, if that's all you can afford, you get extra shows. That helps us so much. It really helps us make the show. At this point, we couldn't do it at all without the patrons. So thank you, patrons. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars for more. If you don't like the idea of a subscription, you don't want to pay a monthly thing, you can do a one-time donation. That is a huge help as well. We've had several people do that this month. Thank we, you so much. We have. We have. And there's a paypal.me link at strangefamiliars.com in the show notes if you want to help that way. That, of course, is a great help as well. And thanks to everybody who's done that. And uh, without further ado, let's get back to Strange Familiars. Our interview with Luke, who has a story about a shadow figure with a jackal head, which he's calling kind of a an Anubis type figure oh, wow. that he saw, and then uh, a bunch of experiences he's had on Bigfoot investigations, and he sent us a lot of audio to share. So mm-hmm. I'm going to incorporate the audio in Luke's interview. Uh, some of the clips I play two or three times in a row, 
so you can hear you know what he's talking about and so forth and he'll kind of describe what's going on in the clips and so forth it's, it's pretty neat so we'll go to luke and hear his stories We're talking with Luke, who contacted me originally about a really weird kind of cynocephalic. Is that the correct pronunciation? I, well, cynocephali, you know, that's that's how I pronounce that. Uh Um, A a dog-headed entity, we'll say. Yeah, 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 dog-headed. And you would Um, listen to a really early episode where I was talking about a friend of mine that she's a very nice woman. She doesn't even have internet access. So she's, I don't think she's ever heard the podcast. She's read my book, I think, my first book, and she heard me on Coast to Coast AM. And some somehow or another, she got my phone number, and she calls me up. And she'll call me about once every two, three months and just tells me ghost stories, that like local ghost stories that she's collected over the years. She's, she's an older woman, and she just has. she said she just has notebooks and notebooks full of these weird old stories. And she told right. me, one day she told me the story of her neighbor who had been coming to her and saying she'd been waking up with these dog-headed entities in her room. Well, at first she just said dogs. She said, I'm waking up with these dogs in my room and I, you know, I don't own dogs. Then she said they were watching The Mummy, one of the old yeah. uh, mummy movies, the ones, I guess, from the 90s. And there was uh, some sort of, you know, Anubis creature in that and when that came on the screen her neighbor said that's it that's what that's what i've been seeing at night so i told that on the podcast and you heard it and you wrote me and said that that was really weird because i yeah, saw that, something similar that, so go ahead take it away yeah um that really blew me away that was uh, i think episode seven of your your podcast which i've i've gotten through all the uh free episodes and gotten all caught up so <laughs> you've done a great job thank you um but yeah i was probably seven or eight years old and sleeping in bed one night and I woke up I have no idea what time it was but it was middle of the night at some point and my bed was facing the door so the foot of my bed was was directly in front of the door and I look up just in time to see this shadow person walk into my bedroom but it had a head of a, of a dog or a jackal. It had the upright ears, you know, pointed snout. And it was completely shadow. I couldn't see, like, glowing eyes or anything. And I see this thing walk into my room. And it's about somewhere around three foot tall. Um, not like a full-grown person's height, but it was, I guess, close to my height at that age. And it walks in, and it starts kind of creeping along the wall similar to the way I guess like in a cartoon when you see like a a spy sneak along and it's just creeping along my wall and I'm seeing this and I'm completely mystified as to what I'm looking at but I I realize that on its current course it's going to continue around the wall and eventually it's going to end up right at my bedside right beside my pillow and i was terrified of that so that's reasonable (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i i muster up as much courage as i can and i'm barely able to squeak out a a little boo and 
when I do that, the thing freezes and it turns its head and stares directly at me, which completely terrified me. You know, I could tell that it knew that I could see it. And then after what felt like probably it felt like 10 seconds or so of it staring directly at me, it it turned and scampered really quickly just out of my room and was gone. It was almost a blur when it went out um, a lot faster than the way it came in. And, you know, I had no idea what it was. I remember the next day telling my dad I saw this thing and he just kind of dismissed it like, oh, you know, that's that's cool. You know, <laughs> what do you want to go do next? Um, you know, and I had no idea. I didn't I didn't have any reference for it. I had never seen any scary movies at that age. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years later when I was flipping through a book in the library at school and I came across a, a thing about Anubis and the Anubites and I just went white and had goosebumps all over me. I was like, this is what I saw. And it, it scared the crap out of me. And I felt like whatever it was, was just going to come back someday. Did it ever? No, I've not that I have seen. You know, I, I obviously I've heard the term shadow person and I've listened to enough, you know, paranormal podcasts and so forth where they've been mentioned. Having not seen one, does it look like there's dimension to these entities or do they do they look kind of flat? Have, have you seen the substance, the, the Vanta Black? Yeah. The, it's, yeah, it's just an absolute black. You can't see any depth to it. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to that. It's just, it looks like a, a shadow and I can't see anything inside of it. It just has this shape and it's it's moving along. And, you know, I could tell it looked at me, but I couldn't make out eyes. You know, other entities, including even Bigfoot, have been described on this show as blacker <laughs> than black. That, right. That, which right. I, you know, I assume it's the same kind of idea that Vanta Black. Um, yeah. So you couldn't make out any, any details, but it seemed to be... I guess if something's that dark, it's hard to tell like what kind of dimension there is to it. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is they seem more than shadows, though. There, there's a denseness to them. So yeah, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, a shadow you can you can still see through it. You can see stuff on the other side. Right. Um, I I could not see through this thing at all. Wow. Um. So it, it had a, a solidness to it. So, you know, like, and, first of all, I think it's it's very funny that a young kid wants to get something's attention and says "boo." I think that's, I mean, that's there's just a, a humor to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you got the idea that it was sort of caught. Yeah, and that, is yeah. that just because it kind of froze and look at you and looked at you? Yeah, and I guess looking at it through the. I guess the window of time, um, my impression of it has, has changed since when I was a little kid that I'm looking at it now. I feel like whatever it was, was kind of scouting. It was new. It's like, it was the first time I'd been there and was checking out the place and was scouting the house out mm-hmm. and it wasn't expecting to be caught. And when it got caught, it got out of there as soon as it could. It's but, so many of these entities that people talk about, these and especially there, it seems like these. I don't know. We'll call them nighttime entities. These these things that yeah that people see in their house at at night. 
usually at night, they get that way. Like when they, they when people wake up or when people, you know, walk into the mm-hmm. room or whatever it is, they, they get like, whoa, they're caught. You know, they have this, this like, oh, you, like maybe you shouldn't be seeing me or how are right. you seeing me? Right. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Did yeah, you ever ex- had... experience anything else like that? I can't, I don't think I've ever seen like another shadow person or, or an apparition. I've definitely felt like I've been watched in places, like some places feel like they have a, in my words, like a a memory to them. Yeah. Um, And some places are a lot heavier. It's usually historical places or, or cemeteries. They, they feel like an old memory. And in some of those places, it, it feels like I'm being watched, but I've never seen anything since then i guess the last question relative to this for now what would you tell people who would say oh you were just dreaming like how would you answer that you know that's i can definitely understand why people would think like that it's never you know i was wide awake i it was a real world real life experience you know, dreams have a certain quality to them, and and this didn't. And you know, there were, I guess, you know, that night my dad had stuck a stuffed animal on my bed after he had come in after I'd gone to sleep, and I had grabbed that, and you know, that was something I didn't know was there beforehand. You know, I was awake to do that. You know, I I was awake. I think any skeptic would just, oh, you were dreaming. You know what I mean? Right, right, but, right. I mean, obviously. And that's the, a lot of people's answer. You know, of course, I know when I'm awake and I know the difference. In a lot of this, you know, even going into the Bigfoot stuff as well, a lot of it is really hard to, to swallow unless you've experienced yourself. And, you know, I, I don't expect people to, and people shouldn't just blindly buy into what somebody else says. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of Bigfoot, how did you get interested in that? That was kind of a a lifelong interest it's something i always thought was was cool and would check out books in the library but that interest just kind of came in and out throughout high school and college uh, it wasn't until after college that i really started paying attention to the number of reports that were out there and then i began to see more and more popping up in indiana which is where i'm from and thought you know it I've looked into this and heard enough stories out there for myself. I'd like to actually look into it and see if there's anything to it. And if there's anything here in Indiana, you know, I mean, people are saying there is. So let's let's go check it out. And I was pretty, pretty skeptical. Um, and this was 2016 when I went out for the first time. Uh, and I went out with a, a co-worker who was also pretty interested in it and he had the the same mentality that he thought it was pretty cool and you know the worst case we're just going to get out and have a good hike so you know no loss there and so that's what we did we we picked a spot a couple hours south uh, southern indiana and took the day and went out hiking i didn't find anything too too convincing the first day that we were out um there was a a few things that were interesting. Uh, we did come across the, a teepee structure. Actually, I think we came across two or three of them. And they were running right along the edge of uh, private property. And it, it seemed like it was a, a, a marker uh, kind of denoting that property line. 
Yeah. Which was interesting. Um, you know, have, when we have you ever, to... um, I looked at them, but I didn't really go up and mess with them until recently. Have you ever uh-huh. like kind of pulled on them and, and messed with the TP structures? I've been advised not to. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a friend who, who's been doing this, who I, I ran into. He, he's been doing it for like 40 years. Um, his, his name's Jay Stewart. If anybody wants to, to look him up, he's got a, a website, um, indianasasquatch.com. But he, he said that he had an experience where one had fallen down and he thought, oh, I'll, I'll just be a nice guy and put it back up. And the second he did, he, he got zapped really hard and he, he dropped to his knees, um, was on the verge of throwing up and just he couldn't move. Um, that's really interesting actually that's very very interesting yeah i will say i i messed with one recently i had observed them i'd photographed them i uh-huh. found a few and for whatever reason i went up and tried to pull it apart like not maliciously i just wanted to see like how is this made kind of thing uh-huh. they are so sturdy that I, it just made me further believe that kids didn't do it as, yeah. As I look at it and I'm pulling on it and and I'm I'm looking at the, the way this thing is woven together and sort of wedged and locked in. If I pulled really hard, I probably could have pulled it apart. I was that wasn't my goal. I just wanted to, you know, like I said, see how it was constructed. Right. The construction's right. really solid on those. Yeah, I I've seen some really intricate stuff and th- and that uh, again, that just having looked at that, I went, yeah, I don't believe a kid did this. I just don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it's a kid messing around. It, it's too sturdy. It's very, very, very interesting. Right. Yeah, I I found one that was one of the most impressive ones that I found. It it was about twenty feet up, using full size trees. That there was, I think, five trees all leaning together in a a really intricate way. Uh, two of them were upside down, and then it had kind of a like a a lock on it, where the whole thing was ba- being held up by one stick that was wedged into another live tree. Mm-hmm. It was they, they, the the one I saw used the pressure of the live tree <laughs> with a wedge, another mm-hmm. stick wedged in to, to to sort of and I mean it's quite ingenious, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've seen that a couple times on, on smaller scales as well. But, you know, it, it's a lot of stuff that when you really look at it, there's no way it could have just fallen that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They're very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was that's pretty much how I, I got into it. And I've got about four or five guys that I try and hook up with one of them about once a month and go out. Um we we've gone over quite a few different parks in the state and, and looked around and, and seen what we could find. That was, that was pretty much how we, we got into it. So you sent me a number of recordings. Yeah. And these are from uh, 2017 uh, and 2018. Okay. So somewhat uh, recently. And uh, yeah. What, what do you want to start with? Let's see. In 2017 is when I went ahead and bought an audio recorder because we had gone out and we'd had some interesting things happen. And it was just killing me to not have that audio of these experiences. And so I, I went ahead and bought a recorder and I just started when we started our hike and 
uh, stop it when we get back. And I've caught a, a couple things that are, are interesting. Yeah, um, I'll never go out again. The, the One day my son and I got screamed at for maybe five minutes. I don't know if it was screaming directly at us, but we were we were there and there were screams. And I didn't have a recorder with me. I recorded it off my phone and it just did not turn out well. And ever since then, I I don't go in, into the woods without a recorder in my pocket. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I have I've not had that uh, experience quite yet. You know, if it happens, I'll, I'll definitely be ready to go. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I think that there's two things I wanted to talk about that happened in 2016. And that was before I got the audio. And that was really what kind of launched me into wanting to get the audio recorder because, okay. uh, you know, the, the first time I went out with a coworker and everything was, was interesting, but there wasn't any, I guess, smoking gun, um, anything that was too convincing. And the second time I went out, I went out by myself and it, I think I've gone out once since by myself. Um, and it was enough of an experience to convince me that I, I probably shouldn't go out there by myself. Yeah. It, it can be a little uh, creepy sometimes. Right. See, I, yeah, I went out to the, this area that I've dubbed uh, three penny Hill and it's, it's got a number of structures on top of this Hill and it, it's not, too far off of from where I, I park my truck, but you walk up almost a, a straight incline. And every time I've gone there, it, it's changed, um, which is really neat to see. Um, one of the most noticeable changes is there's like a, a line of, of dead trees. It's almost like a, a barrier. And almost every time I go back, there's like another line added. Hmm. So it, it's almost like another fence saying, you know, this is this is our area. And it's really, really interesting because the number of structures up there is what made me convinced that they were in the area and that they were making these structures because they were just one after another and everything was all pointing in the exact same direction, which I, I went ahead and followed. I decided to follow this line of structures and you know, went up and down a hill. And after about an hour, I, I stopped and took a, a lunch break and was sitting on the side of a hill and you know, everything was calm and I was thinking, you know, I can, I can take a nap here. I was very relaxed. And then for whatever reason, I went from that calm to a very panicked state. You know, I shot up and I, I reacted like I had heard a, a loud gunshot or something over the side of my head. And I shot up and I was spinning around trying to find out what was going on and it took me a second and I realized like I didn't hear anything. I just, I'm reacting for, for some reason and I don't know what it is. I didn't hear anything. I don't see anything. Everything's fine. And I had to kind of calm myself back down and I don't know what that was about. And it's the only time I've ever had that uh, instant reaction. Did you um, proceed on after that or did you decide? Yeah, I, I went ahead and I went on. I said, you know, this is what I'm out here for. So let's let's see if anything happens. And I went on a little bit further and I, I came to this area with a lot of younger growth. So it's a lot darker. There's a lot more uh, small trees and there were a lot of structures in there. And I'm walking up to it and it just had a, kind of a vibe to the area and 
I went ahead and pulled out my camera because I'm like, this feels like different from any place I've been so far today. So if, if something's going to happen, I'm, I'm at least going to get it on camera. Um, and on the camera, I'm, I'm talking myself through and I'm like, you know, this is what you're out here for, you know, let's, let's see what happens. And I'm, I'm con- trying to convince myself to keep moving forward because for whatever reason, that area really had me on edge. And, you know, I guess one thing that was, was odd was as I walked into it, there was an area, there was a tree that was just shredded to bits. Um, and I, I think that tree was done by a cougar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we have them in Southern Indiana, but the, they're rare. But that's, it looked very similar to that. Something had gone to town on this tree, but you know, I, I walked through this area and then halfway through it, that feeling just completely fades and everything's fine. And once I get on the other side, then I, I heard a, a rock clack and a, a whoop. You know, after then, I, I decided it was time to pack it up, and I, I went home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't until later that night that I realized, you know, I was just kind of going off adrenaline. But as I kind of replayed it later that night, I realized I was a little bit terrified sitting out there by myself walking through that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was... And it, it all just kind of hit later on. So that's mm-hmm. what uh, you decided to carry an audio co- recorder. Yeah, that one. And there was another incident that I was with a, a friend, and it was probably one of the weirder things that we've had happen out there. Um, we were walking along. A, we had just come over the top of a hill, and there was an old like logging service road. And we had just started to walk down it. And there was a, an impression on the, on the path that kind of looked like a, a footprint. And so we, we paused and I bent down to get a closer look at it and to maybe take a picture. And right when we did that, something jumped up about 30 yards from us and it jumped up out of the bushes and we heard it take three steps and then it stopped. It was boom, 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 nothing. And so we looked at each other and we're like, what was that? Because if it was a deer, it would have just kept going, and they would have snorted and gone off. So we're, we're ruling out deer, but there's still a bunch of other options. And so we, we start moving f- towards it, and it does the same thing. It jumps up, takes three steps, and stops. But we both catch a glimpse of it this time, and we see brown fur. And it it's something that is either on all fours or it's hunched over, and it it's a lot larger than a coyote would be. But we still can't make out a, an overall shape. We just saw brown fur. And so it stopped twice on us. So we, we move forward again. And we, we're not seeing anything. And we get past to where we heard it stop the second time. And we start, we're, we're separating a little bit to, to see if one of us can kick it up and actually get a look at it and we hear a a huff it was kind of a, a growly huff um and it was further in front of us and we both look at each other and we're like did you hear that and i am i'm recording on my camera uh and you can get a little bit of it but it it's really hard to make out and we're we're walking over most of the sounds uh, as we're walking through. And so 
we pause. And at that time, I hear something behind me get up and, and walk across the service road that we had just left. And then it starts tapping on a tree, which is then answered by a tap in front of us. Oh. And for about five minutes, we hear these these light taps going back and forth. And about then, the birds start going crazy. Um, they're doing a, a, a big predator response, you know, alarm call. And we're, we're walking around trying to, to see if we can't find them, find whatever's making these knocks, you know, and we can't. Uh, after about 10 minutes, it stops. And so we come back together and we're like, that, that was weird. But what was that? Because coyotes don't knock on trees. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I went ahead and I knocked on a tree and it knocked back. And it did that about three times. And then it, it just went quiet and was completely done. <laughs> you so know, you, and, you think you walked past, like without seeing it? Whatever, yeah, it, whatever yeah, scared I, up originally. Yeah, I think it either went up a tree, and we didn't see it, or it laid down on its belly and was underneath a, a bush, because uh, this was July and it was really thick, mm-hmm. so you can't see real far. But whatever it was, it didn't. It wasn't huge, but it was definitely larger than a, a dog or a coyote. What we had seen, it was probably uh, the top of it was around three foot off the ground, you know, and just brown fur um, and knocking on trees. Hmm. So there's not a whole lot of of things that could be. Yeah. Uh, But that's, that's what really prompted me into the audio. And so then started recording and then, you know, 2017, you know, I guess we can get into the audio now. That's all right. I have one. It's, it's a monkey noise, and then you hear something moving through and breaking branches. Uh, this was taken overnight. Uh, I was camping with my wife and, uh, and another guy that I go out, Brian, that we go out and, and do some hiking. And I left my audio recorder on overnight, and I get this what sounds like a monkey, and then breaking a sticks. Uh, All right, let me go ahead and play that. Okay, so what you're calling the monkey noise is real short, right? Yeah, it's really short, and it's really quiet. Um, you definitely probably need to, to amplify that or wear headphones to pick that up. Um, I could hear the, the sticks breaking. Yeah, I can, I can definitely hear them. And it's real brief at the start of the recording, right? Is that, yep. Yep, okay, yep. yeah. see here there's a like a blah kind of sound okay. that is you know that one could be like a it could be a deer it, it's kind of interesting to me it was also picked up that night same night or no it was the next night all right let me go ahead and play that mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Do you have do you have elk in the area? No, no, mm-hmm. we we have whitetail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, the same here. So I, I'm not sure. Uh, the same with the next audio is kind of a like a I called it goat roar. It was really weird. Again, uh, we were out hiking this time with with another guy, and it happened as we were walking. So it it was hard to pick up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how well you'll be able to hear that one. I'll play all these clips, you know, multiple okay. times to hear more than okay. once. I heard that. The heck was that? Check the time on the recorder so we know where. Well, I hear it. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I'm not saying that that's like a, a big fit. I don't know what it is. It's hard to tell. Maybe somebody will hear it and, and know what it is. I think the rest of these are, are, are a bit better. Um, Left the Trail Knocking uh, was in August of 2017. And me and a guy, we were walking, and we had gotten on a trail for a short period of time. And right as we left it, we started getting knocks. And they're they're pretty close to us. Um, and as we come up to where... We, we see the tree where it's coming from. As we get up to the tree, we hear something run off. Um, and I, I don't think it running off was caught on the recorder, but you can definitely hear the knocks as we come up to it. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Sounds like it's kind of up. It's not trees creaking together. No, not this time. That's interesting. That I don't know if it's you or, or someone says that that doesn't sound like woodpeckers. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was me. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, at least you know from, yeah. from here. Yeah, you know, it's a solid knock. There, I think they were individually, you know, and and then followed up by others. But that's not how the that's not the way a woodpecker knocks. They 
tap 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 tap. Yeah, usually, it, it sounded more. Um, there was yeah. more substance to it. To, it was, to what it was, was pretty big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one was uh, Return Knocking on, on Three Penny Hill. It was the same day, actually. So we got multiple knocks that day. And this is um, the hill where you said where all the structures are. Yeah, yeah, where all the, the structures are. And so we, we got to the top of the hill that day, and we heard a, a knock behind us and then a knock in front of us. And so we knock, and we get a response. Uh, I think we got a double knock back. And then we knock again, and we don't hear anything. Hmm. Um, and this was actually before the the clip you just played. Oh, okay. This is earlier um, in the day. Yeah, it, it was about half an hour earlier, hmm. um, and it, it's a lot more faint. So you definitely need headphones for this. Be clear the loud knocks are you you knock yeah yeah that yeah that loud was 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 me yeah and so that that was 2017 and then the 2018 the audio is better all right uh-huh. we we can walk right into it okay this is all yeah all this audio is from two days back to back so explaining this first one it's uh, Brian and Jay's encounter. Jay Stewart, the guy I mentioned earlier, he's he's got an area where he, he's got a gifting spot set up. And he has been gifting on and on with them for a couple of years. And they've done quite a few cool things. They they took a stuffed animal that he had set out, and it was gone for, I think, a year. You know, don't hate me too much, Jay, if, if that's wrong. Um, <laughs> but it was either a year or two, and then it just came back all of a sudden. Um, you know, and he has uh, seashells that he sets out, and he's come back and he's had uh, like a, a mummified tree frog that was set inside of a, a seashell and then covered up with another shell. Wow. Yeah, and so they move stuff along around, and I think he he had a fossil put inside one of the shells once. Um, you know, they're they're interacting with him, and he has seen them in that location on more than one occurrence. And so we we had gone out with him that weekend, and it was the three of us, and we went back to, to check on his games. And we're back there for like an hour or so, and uh, my wife had actually come up to the campground that day, and so she called when we were back there and said she was coming up to the gate, so I needed to, to leave and, and go get her. And so I walk out, and that, I think, is what threw them for a loop. Because in the past, every time he's gone back there, everybody's left together. Mm-hmm. 
And so this is the first time that we had gone there and then one of us had walked out and they had stayed behind. And so I had set an audio recorder out and hidden it. And the plan was to leave it overnight and come back the next day and pick it up and see what what we got. And so I had already hidden it. I get the call. So I start walking out and they're still there. And about 10 minutes after I walk out, they're standing a little bit away and they look over and they see an upright Auburn hairy figure walk like 10 yards from my audio recorder and just go right across. And it, it just glided. I think they said it was somewhere around six and a half to seven foot tall. And so they, they both saw it and it walked right past my audio recorder and on the audio recorder, you can hear it shuffle past really quickly. Wow. And yeah, it is really, really exciting because I have their verification and I have audio of their sighting and, you know, by itself, the audio isn't that special. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear, you hear shuffling, you know, it could have been anything, but they had visuals of it. And so that was really, really exciting. Um, Another thing I'll mention before you play it is that um, you'll hear right before it walks past, you'll, you'll hear blue jays start going off. And blue jays are something that we've not heard back there. And we hear it following this Sasquatch as it goes through. And in one of the, the later audios, there's another point where you hear shuffling and you hear a blue jay following whatever's shuffling. So we believe that the Blue Jays are, are following and kind of announcing that they're there. Huh. Well, it's interesting because Blue Jays are corvids. They're in the crow family. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, of course, you know, people have noted very often uh, crows either announcing, you know, Bigfoot or seeing around Bigfoot or uh, Bigfoot. Uh, mimicking crows or right, right. Uh, any number of things even even uh, I think it was uh, Duke who told me about Bigfoot with trained crows like people say yeah they, I've heard of that trained crows to uh, announce you know humans presence and so forth when humans are in the area so this is uh, the audio clip Brian and Jay's encounter Uh, first of all, are you, you must be somewhat near a, a road. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is on a, a hill overlooking a, a highway. Mm-hmm. And so you, you hear cars going back and forth. Which, when I first got into this, that used to bother me. I used to, you know, anytime somebody 
have a recording and I could hear traffic in the background. I'm like, ah, there, you know, no way there's traffic there. Nowadays it doesn't bother me a bit because it's odd that, I mean, I found sign and recorded stuff a lot closer to populated areas than I would have yeah. ever thought possible when I first right. did this. So yeah, so there is traffic noise and there is something in here. At what point, about 45 seconds in my, my, is when my friends see it, mm-hmm. and as it goes away, they whoop at it. And so you'll, you'll hear that okay, whoop. So, so that's, that's them whooping. That's okay. them. All right, that's gotcha. them right after they saw it. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. I might hear something else in the background there. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that one and uh, see if I can okay. bring something up. It might just be like a harmonic resonance kind of thing, but yeah, I, I tried to uh, reduce the background noise on this one a little bit. Oh, okay, that might be what I'm hearing then. Do you use a, like what kind of noise reduction? I I use the Audacity. Okay, all right. Yeah, that might be what I'm picking up on because sometimes even in when I do it, I mean it's you know you're at the mercy of the programs a lot of times. Yeah, and uh, yeah it'll create artifacts that sound right you know right i i can send you the original um if that would help you tinker with it a little bit i um, i mean if you know yeah that's okay i'm I'm just playing it through one more time so i can with that in mind and, okay i think i'm hearing the noise reduction it's uh like a like you know like a yeah it, it sounds like a, really a, windy sounds like there. a tube when you know like those kids toys when they would they just be a plastic mm-hmm. tube you, you could spin around and they go Woo, you know yeah it sounds like that but that could be that could be an artifact of the noise reduction right then on to the next one was uh later that night we'd come back after dark and it was the first time i think that he's been back that far after dark He's walked down this old road to get there before, and he's had a, a few things happen to him. But it's the first time he'd been in that gifting area after dark. And nine minutes before we get there, there's a couple knocks. About eight seconds in, there, there's a series of knocks. 16 seconds, there's a, a single. And then around 30 seconds, there's some movement. And then at the end, there's a, a final knock. And this is all. So this is a recorder you had left there. Yeah, this is the recorder I'd left. And, you know, as we're walking back, uh, nine minutes is probably about the time we would have left this old road. And, and so that's when these knocks start.
So right at the end there, that's there's some kind of movement, like so yeah. really yeah. close to the mic. Yeah, we think that they, the way it's set up is there's this really thick brush area where we think they they hang out, and that they've got a, a sentry located, and it overlooks this old road and this gifting area. Um, and then there's this open spot that's on the crest of the hill. And then it goes down this really, really steep embankment to a highway. And then there's more forest on the other side of the highway. And so we, we think that they're, they're hanging out in this thick area and then they're, they're crossing across to, to you know, get away from us. Mm-hmm. And then I think this next clip is a little bit longer. There is, is throughout the night, there's a, a series of, of noises that I, I've compiled onto one clip. And so it, it it's a bunch of little segments of audio. Mm-hmm. And there's three points where there's kind of a, there's some sort of vocal that's made um, that wasn't picked up any other time in the like 50 some hours that we left the audio out. Isn't it fun um, going through all that audio? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. Um, and so this is the uh, the only time that we heard these. And when I'm listening on headphones, the, the third time that you hear it, it sounds like it's a little bit closer. So it, it sounds like it's moved. Those are interesting because um, they're sort of isolated like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we've gotten similar stuff at Site Seven, where it's just yeah. one out of nowhere, just you know, whatever. You can tell, like every now and then, you'll hear a dog dog barking or something. It's like, well, that's a dog barking, and they they don't uh-huh. just bark once, you know. They'll, right. Yeah, but you you get these occasional just for whatever reason these hoots or whatever. Right, you know, and if we had heard it periodically throughout the day, I would I would have to make an assumption that it had something to do with the, the cars going over the highway. Mm-hmm. We don't. We didn't hear it at all during the day, um, and only three times during the, the whole night. Um, and cars are going over that highway constantly. So I, I know it's not them, and it's the same noise as repeated. Right. Then... I guess the last clip here is the very next day was in that morning before we got back out there to get the recorder. There's some more uh, walking and stick breakings 
and you hear a blue jay following it again. sounds pretty big yeah you know that's again we we didn't see what made that noise but it it definitely sounds large and it's something being followed by a blue jay which we have from the day before happening with a sasquatch sighting right right Um, the blue jays are really interesting that's i mean mm -hmm. very very interesting yeah Later on, when we got the recorder that day, we packed it up and we decided, well, we'd, we'd kind of try the same thing that we did the day before. And this time I stayed and Jay walked out and he got to where the, the old road ends and he hung out there and I stayed back at the gifting spot and I, I waited to see if anything would happen again. And after about 10 minutes of him standing there, he hears something jump up and take off in the brush uh, away from him that he believes is is one of the sentries. He said it, it was kind of like a, a rabbit that, you know, when a rabbit is hiding from a predator, it just sits there and stays and stays and stays until it just can't take it. Right. And then it has to, to jump up and get out of there. And it, it was a large animal. Uh, he said it was a lot like that. And so he hears it taking off away from him and heading towards me. And at this point, I hear it, and it's coming straight towards me. And it gets right to the edge of that thick brush, and it stops. And I'm I'm looking to see where it's going to come out, and I can't see it. But I obviously heard this large animal coming towards me, and... You sit there and, and wait and wait and wait and nothing ever comes out. And I, I think it just traveled down this brush line and went around behind me. Hmm. Um, I, I think it, it saw me. That's why it stopped right there on that edge. Yeah, I that mean, was... if if there's some kind of natural animal and I bounce back and forth on that, uh, leaning towards not, but, you know, whatever they are, they seem to know exactly where we are at all yeah. times. I mean, they track our positions very well. They know where we are. Yeah couple questions just curious the stuffed animal was it like beat up and weathered when they they brought it back yeah yeah it was definitely it had been out in the outdoors Mm -hmm. um it didn't look brand new Mm -hmm. Um, but it was it was whole it still had all of its you know limbs and eyes and everything it wasn't chewed up right um and he had these up on a tree um about eight to nine feet he stuck them up on an old dead pine tree um, so they weren't just laying on the ground. He's he's had a I think a goose and something else that he stuck out there, and it was a, a dog stuffed animal that disappeared for a year. I'm well. I'm sure you heard the the episodes we did with uh, Strange Brow, Tobe Johnson, and he was having things huh. sort of um, a port. So they were they were disappearing in one location and showing up in another. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh huh. It would be very, very interesting to 
and there's you know there's it's impossible to track this but you just wonder if if somewhere else there was another bigfoot researcher and they're like wow these stuffed animals turned up out of nowhere <laughs> right and, right you know in our area and then and then they you know they just went away after a year or whatever it was i put little bottles corked tiny cork bottles of wine in a tree i had them uh-huh. disappear and then reappear and then disappear again and they weren't they weren't uh the wine wasn't it was still in the bottles they weren't uncorked right. but the bottles right. themselves went away came back and then went away again very 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 strange stuff yeah I, you know i don't <laughs> i don't know what to make of that stuff right right interesting what's your take on bigfoot do you just think it's a natural creature i'm i'm open to the possibilities so far my my short experiences haven't shown me anything that i can't describe as as natural um everything that i've experienced has been something that corresponds with other well-known animals mm-hmm. um that, that they do and so i've not had anything too too uh, out there happen have um, you seen the, the any weird lights in the woods i have not i i have not gone out in the dark too much i i tend to prefer going out in the daytime when i can actually see everything around me and try and follow these these stick structures i i try and document a lot of them in this area that i go to so i i haven't gone out too much in the night that said you know i, I have friends who have seen them in the same areas you're finding this other stuff or just yeah yeah, yeah and, and and other places too so you know, I, I know it, it happens. Mm-hmm. Luke, thanks for sharing your stories. Yeah, no problem. Uh, anytime. If you run into anything else, keep us informed. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks for listening, everybody. I do want to thank the following folks who gave us PayPal donations. J.Y., Eric C., and Brian M., Thank you all so much. Those PayPal donations are a huge help, too. They uh, allow us to keep going. So we will be back next week with another episode of Strange Familiars. iTunes is messing with the ratings. And we don't know what this means. We don't know what this means. This seems to be uh, something that you've mentioned to other people that you know that have podcasts, and they're experiencing the same exact thing. At least the paranormal podcasts Mm -hmm. are. Because Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles brought it to my attention. It's happening to him. It's happening to the confessionals. It's happening to strange familiars. It's happening to where did the road go? It looks like it's happening to at least all the paranormal podcasts. Maybe all, to all independent podcasts. I don't. That know. That would be my suspicion. I don't know. I think but in it's any a case, pay to play situation. On February, I think it was February twenty first or something. We were number seven in our category on iTunes. That's the highest we've ever been. That's great. That's fantastic. To give you an example, Oprah's number one in our category. Mm-hmm. We were number seven. That's fantastic. That means we're reaching a lot of new people. That means we're going to get recommended to, to new people, et cetera, et cetera. In the middle of March, there's you can look at it on a graph. There's this drop-off. It's like we fell off a cliff, and we went from 
we're usually, even when we're not as high as number seven, we were hovering in the top 20, 30, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing, you know, better than I ever thought we'd do. We dropped from there to like 300, 500, something like that. Yeah, no, this isn't and sour it, grapes. Like, this, is a, this is a phenomenon that we've seen with other podcasts that are at the right, same level. Right, it's the same graph. You can see the same graph. Mm. You can see the same graph that happens, and you just, we dropped down, and then suddenly... We went up again. We didn't go all the way up to where we were, but we went up to like number 60. But meanwhile, haven't you said that a lot of um, podcasts associated with former networks are getting a lot of placement suddenly? Yeah, I see a lot of, uh, in podcast apps, the things that are recommended to me suddenly are not independent podcasts. They're suddenly everything from NPR, from ABC, from Mm iHeartRadio, from... Comedy Central, et cetera, et cetera, from big media companies. That's what I'm getting recommended. So I don't know if it's something where the big media companies are like, hey, we can't have Strange Familiars at number seven. <laughs> but that well, doesn't not them look specifically, good. But, you know, I'm like, using them as an example because <laughs> yeah. I'm intimately familiar with our ratings. <laughs> you know, but yeah, Strange Familiars and podcasts like us. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's happened to all our friends too. It's yeah. this, the same drop also has happened to our friends. It seems so reminiscent of what we experienced running a record label mm-hmm. when all of a sudden there was a huge push towards appropriating indie culture into like a model that was based on um, just the regular right. retail culture where now it's like, well, our distributor will take our things, but if we want them to be placed anywhere in an actual store, well, that's another cost. Exactly. And if you want it to be placed in a certain row, well, that's another cost. And it's, and, you know, it's entirely pay to play. It's paid placement. It's- and it's it's disheartening. I don't know for sure that's what's going on. But like I said, you can see it on a graph. And it happened with all the podcasts the same. So we were, at, we were as high as number seven. We dropped down to number like 200, 300, something like that. Mm-hmm. Back up to 60, back down to 200. Again, 200 and change. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where we are. Once you get out of the top 100, I, you know, I don't even pay attention anymore because it's just like, you know, we were doing so much better. And what accounts for that drop off? I'm getting the same number of downloads as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Roughly, you know, there, it, it varies from month to month. But it's, yeah, and this really isn't a sour grapes thing. This is a trend that, that we're seeing amongst other This is amongst podcasts. us and our friends. Mm-hmm. The, the, the graph is almost the same. You mm-hmm. can put the same graph up. The shape of the graph is the mm-hmm. same. They they may have been higher or lower in the ratings, but the shape of the graph is the same, you know, and we're not all in the same, like, for some reason, we, Where Did the Road Go and Strange Familiars are in one category, Sasquatch Chronicles is in another, so we're not even on the same category mm-hmm. on the charts, and the same thing is happening. It's the same graph you can see. Well, I fear that, like, any time there's this sort of, like, egalitarian platform, it, it very quickly becomes co-opted by people who can pay to have their presence exactly. more widely known. Yeah, it's and it's it's heartbreaking because podcasting really did feel like the kind of thing where you could start from scratch, you could put the work in, you can make a good show, and you could get known. Yeah, and it's me. it's an uphill battle, but mm-hmm. it's 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 a hill you can climb. Mm-hmm. Keep plugging away, and that's what Soraya told me when I started because I was disheartened a few times in the first year. I was like, "Man, I don't know if I want to continue." And Soraya said, "Just keep at it, keep at it. It's going to grow. It's going to get better." And he was right. Mm-hmm. He was right. And that's when I'm afraid it's going to stop. You know. And a lot of people say, "Well, ratings don't matter. Ratings don't matter." Well, they don't, and they do. They do in as much as if you're higher rated, you're going to get recommended to more people, and you mm-hmm. get more new listeners. So, 
Yeah, ego-wise, do they matter? No, it doesn't matter to me whether my podcast is number one or number 800. You know, that's an ego thing. But as far as getting in front of new people, which is something that would help us a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, the the more ears we get, the more support we get, the more potential patrons we get, the more potential for uh, show sponsors we get. Mm -hmm. So that would help us a heck of a lot. And that's where I'm I'm worried about it hurting us. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't hurt us, if we keep growing as we have been growing, then the number truly doesn't matter. You know, that's that. No big deal. Well, I think the lesson here is the same as the lesson that, you know, we often talk about this, that we learned from punk rock, and that is uh, just do it anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love doing it. I'm going to keep plugging yeah. away at it. But uh, it's it's just a frustrating thing because, frustrating. like I said, it, it really felt like it was a level playing field in as much as... I think you, it was a level playing field because it wasn't on the radar of pe- of bigger companies oh yeah i think they're scrambling now because they realize this is a platform that's getting a lot more interest i think they realize they can make some money at it Mm -hmm. and that people's listening habits like people's viewing habits with tv has changed Mm -hmm. people don't really tune in to watch shows anymore they stream them when they want to Mm -hmm. i think people are doing the same thing with radio and podcasts now and the big media people realized it and now they're looking for a way to dominate the field and and if it's going to be paid placement yeah they have the money yeah they've got the money to do it and we do not we absolutely Mm -hmm. do not we're struggling you know to keep going but in any case you know we're gonna gonna keep plugging away keep making shows and and thanks to everybody who does listen patrons non-patrons everybody thank you for listening yeah because we have the same amount of listeners regardless of Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the, the rating doesn't affect the listeners. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. So so hopefully. But at least everybody who's who's subscribed to us, if you've you know subscribed to us via iTunes or whatever, it shouldn't matter what the rating is. We mm-hmm. should keep uh, keep coming at you. And somebody said something about the iTunes ratings or something, that they're worried about family-friendly shows. Well, our show's absolutely family-friendly. When people cuss, I bleep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been two episodes in the history of the podcast, I think episode 49 and 50, that I marked as adult because Clint and I went off the rails and you know let a few bad words fly here and there mm-hmm. but otherwise every episode has been you know what i consider family friendly i always wanted something i mean you know you can talk about adult topics without you know making something that you have to ask your kids to leave the room now yeah. some of our stuff is scary and mm-hmm. you know probably wouldn't be the best for real young kids but you know, for the most part, I, you know, I, I wanted to make something that you wouldn't have to ask your kids to leave the room, mm-hmm. you know, when you were listening to. Yeah, because if we were allowed to swear, this would be an entirely different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Strange Familiars is brought to you by... The patrons. <laughs> and Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more darkhollerarts.com intro and background music is by stonebreath which you can find at stonebreath.bandcamp.com and we do have a facebook facebook.com slash strange familiars because we're old people our kids say facebook is for old people mm-hmm. so apparently we're old people and we have a facebook and uh, we have a strange familiars gathering group on there as well i think the book club is starting so if you want to be a member of the Strange Familiars Book Club and discuss different paranormal books and so forth. Hop on Facebook and join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. I would love to do an episode on paranormal children's books. I'm sure they're out there. Do you have any in mind? 
Or you mean children's books which show paranormal things. Yes. I know where you're going. I know. You're going to the, your headless Cupid book, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, it was the, the jackal thing that reminded me because one of my favorite books of hers was called The Egypt Game. And I became obsessed with like yeah. everything Egypt when I was a kid. Now, was that specifically paranormal stuff or was it more like mystery solving kind of? No, it was paranormal stuff because the headless Cupid's about a ghost. Oh, okay. Very cool. And that, what was that author's name? Uh, Zilpa Keatley Snyder. Is she still is she still alive? No, she died like uh, just a few years ago. But I had I remember you had corresponded with her. Yeah, I'd corresponded with her for a time, and she gave me her home number. And because I'm timid and afraid of everything, I didn't. I never called her. I wish I had. I disliked talking on the phone before the podcast. Interviewing people time after time after time has beaten that out of me. Mm-hmm. Where now I don't, you know. It's it's nothing. I don't mind. I'll call pretty much anybody. But before then, I was the same way. I didn't want to call. I remember Clive Palmer, one of my favorite musicians, had given me his phone number. I never called him. I had the number to for Daryl Adams' wife after he died. Daryl Adams, another one of my favorite banjo players, had her number that someone had given me and said, she's the nicest person in the world. Call her and talk to her. I know. And I, and feel I like just didn't. I, all I these couldn't. missed opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And now, like, my favorite children's author, she's passed away and that chance is gone. It's good well, lesson and seizing the day and anytime you get an opportunity to you know I don't think anybody minds a thank you or some gratitude I don't think anyone's a big enough star where they're like I, you know I don't <laughs> yeah and I think it's people people like that they don't hear as much I mean she might hear from young kids or she probably did when she initially published the books anymore yeah and the she, books were popular in like the the late 60s through the early 80s so yeah anymore she for, probably doesn't hear from anybody yeah, or didn't kinda, yeah you know and it's, it's probably a lovely thing to hear from somebody every now and then oh speaking of uh, pop culture and fiction someone recommended a movie to me which i rented and watched last night called border it's about roughly about changelings in sweden Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Really, really neat movie. I really enjoyed it. I was speaking of movies. I wanted to talk about. Wasn't there an Ingmar Bergman movie that we watched called Hour of the Wolf? Or yes. Something like that. That kind yes. of has a lot of similar themes to what we were talking about before about that hour. Isn't it between three and four where yeah. they say a lot of people are born and die? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Our kids were born within that hour. They were. <laughs> On New Year's Eve. Yep. Janus. Facing forward and facing backwards, as Austin Spare said. And wasn't he born the day before? I think so, yeah. But he had no twin. He didn't. That I know of. He had to manifest it. He did, spiritually. In any case, we should do it like a fiction show at some point and and talk about all that kind of stuff. Because I think that does inform your... um, Oh, there's definitely... take on the paranormal. there's There's a pop culture sort of undercurrent that goes on. Like... Josh wrote his book on changelings, and now there's, I wouldn't say a flood of changeling movies, but there's changeling movies now. And I don't think they read his book and made a movie because these movies are coming out, you know, his book. Concurrent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially they would have had to have been making them pretty much at the same time he's writing his book. So there's this sort of current running through pop culture that sort of echoes these movements. And I found the same thing with the Bigfoot book we're writing. Like some of the stuff, even some of the more obscure, weirder stuff has these sort of echoes in pop culture that we're finding. That's just just really, really interesting. Even which cryptid is popular at a particular time. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, we're specifically writing about Bigfoot and he's always the king of cryptids, essentially. You know, he's always, 
always been the most or, popular. Or even maybe like what paranormal um, experience is popular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how it takes form. You know, I think of the 90s as being like a real alien kind of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think of uh, the 50s as being a real alien kind of time. Isn't mm-hmm. it curious how in those kind of boom times, 50s and 90s, times where they're financially prosperous, we look to these sort of futuristic... I think you definitely have a point there. You need to write that book. Because <laughs> I'm not going to write that one. I, I've still got... Josh announced on Twitter, this is the longest ending to a show we've ever done. We're, we're into another show at this point, but we might as well just go for it. If you've hang on this long, think of all this bonus content you've gotten. <laughs> yeah. now, now you know not to turn off when we say Strange Familiars is brought to you by... Uh, Josh announced on Twitter that he's finished his chapters for our book, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah, but... no pressure. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, Josh, I got like four more chapters to write. Don't be announcing anything. Might yet. I mention that his kids are need a lot more help right now than ours do. I know, but Josh doesn't do a podcast. Kind of does, I guess. He's just a guest on every other podcast. <laughs> in any case, uh, the book is coming along very well. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I can't wait for people to read it. But uh, that's a, another show for another day. All right. If you hung on this long, thanks again. Thanks for listening to the bonus <laughs> at the end. The bonus the, ramble. The, the hidden tracks. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Burn the palest, truest light
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.